Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello and welcome back to Oz Business Australia's only live streaming business and markets channel. Great to have your company as we kick off the afternoon with the call. 10 stocks you suggest us to, to us to take a look at. I put it to an expert panel. I throw in a stock of the day, something that's making headlines. Let's get straight into that because uh, obviously the, uh, the highlight of this morning was the Telstra resort, uh, result out for the uh, for the half year. Andy Penn, Telstra Chief Executive, joins us now on the call. Um, Andy, welcome back to Ausbiz. Um, revenue down 4%, uh, EBITDA down almost 15%, underlying EBITDA up 5%. What do you say to the market who have marked Telstra shares down back below $4 this morning as a result? Yeah, no, look, thanks very much, David. Great to be on the show. And the current financial year is definitely a year of inflection because I think as investors know, we've been going through this very significant period of transition to the MBN, and that has very significant financial consequences for the company. And you can actually see, as we move through the final transitional effects of that on our reported result. So for example, the one-off receipts that we received were down 450 million. Uh, the commercial works that we've been doing are down 200 million. But what's actually coming through is in our underlying result, which was up 5.1% in underlying EBITDA and 55% underlying EPS. And so as we get through the rest of this financial year, uh, we'll see our reported result and our underlying result come much closer together right. and in line with the aspirations that we've set ourselves for growth in the future. Uh, so this is a period where, where you're really cleaning up the MBN, aren't you? Um, you uh, and that, that was always going to be the case as your T22 program came to an end. Well, that's right, David. And, and of course, the decision to essentially re-nationalise the whole wholesale broadband network through the creation of MBN uh, has ultimately had an impact of about a negative $3.6 billion impact on Telstra compared to the period before we started the MBN. And so uh, that's been moving transitionally through. And so this is the last year, essentially, in which we see the effect of that. So we, we come out from what I call the shadow of that transition and all yeah. the good stuff we've been doing and from an underlying point of view, the productivity, we're taking out $2.7 billion worth of cost, the growth in our mobiles business, that's all gonna come through nice and cleanly. And uh, our ambition is to get Yep. underlying EPS growth in the high teens from basically from FY21 yep. all the way through to FY25, which is great news to shareholders. Are you glad to get rid of the MBN so it becomes a much cleaner company to report on? Well, I think it makes it a lot easier for, for investors because there are so many sort of puts and takes and uh, and impacts, but that's, that's the nature of what we um, obviously has been important for us to deal with. But it is nice to be able to see that underlying performance from the results of all of the initiatives under what we call our T22 strategy really starting to pay off now. And um, as I say, underlying EBITDA up 5%, underlying EPS up 55%. 
We've increased the underlying ordinary dividend uh, to six cents per share. So I'm confident as we look forward into the future, we're going to have clean result and we're going to have growth. Yep. Um, cost reductions more than the market expected? Yeah, well, we targeted 430 million this year. Uh, we're at 254 million for the half year. So as you can see, that's yep. really ahead of plan. We get to 2.7 billion cumulatively. We've reduced our headcount of direct and indirect by 27,000, which is about one third of our headcount over the, essentially the last three or four years. And we've got another half a billion targeted in the next wave of our journey, which is what we call our T25 strategy, which builds on uh, the end of this financial year into the future. Okay, they're extraordinary numbers. Uh, cutting a third of your staff in the last three or four years, thats that's been a massive effort. Well, it's been a massive effort. At the same time, um, David, that we've actually been growing our subscriber numbers. Yeah. Um, so particularly in mobiles, added another 84,000 net new subscriber numbers in the half. And it's a consequence, frankly, of the, the massive work that we've done on simplifying the business. You might remember yep. we've made a commitment, we're gonna reduce the number of plans that we have from 1,800 to 20, and we've done that. Uh, we've completely changed our digital environment, and that's made a massive difference. The number of calls coming into our call center from our consumer and small business customers is down 70%, 70% since we launched T22. And we'll have all of those calls answered onshore, which I'm sure will make many customers happy by the end of this financial year. So there's been an enormous amount of work and that's why I'm so excited because as we come out from under this shadow of the NBM financially, the benefit of that is all gonna flow through. And we're gonna be able to build on some of the I guess the seeds we're saying for growth in the future, things like Telstra Health's uh, revenues will be high teens growth this, um, this year. Our infrastructure business that we announced some major investments in only a couple of weeks ago. The energy business that we're launching and of course our mobiles business, which is the powerhouse of our growth. Yeah, free cash flow, 1.7 billion. Um, guidance between three and a half and 3.9 billion for the full year. This slimmed down Telstra under T25, the next program, what sort of free cash are you going to be um, throwing out of the business? Well, so, and the good news is, is free cash flow is actually running faster or running ahead, if you like, um, of our profit or our accounting profits. And that's because we've been bringing down our capital investment, notwithstanding the investments I just mentioned. But even with those, our DNA is running at about $250 million higher than our capital investment. So that's throwing off more cash. So not only does that mean that we're generating free cash flow and profit growth to support the dividend, but it also means that we've got the capacity to do other shareholder returns, such as we are at the moment. Uh, we're about 40% of the way through a $1.35 billion odd market share buyback. Okay, dividend reinvestment plan as well. Back, maintain the interim dividend at eight cents a share. Dividend policy going forward. Uh, will that change? Well, uh, the dip, we're not, there isn't a plan to change the dividend policy. Um, as you say, eight cents per share interim dividend. The underlying dividend or the ordinary dividend within that has increased from five cents to six cents. There's a two cents special dividend, which is related to the MBM one-off payments. They run off. We've got to increase that underlying earnings per share gives us the capacity uh, of, of course, this aspiration to grow the dividend over time. And then, as I say, because we're throwing, throwing off free cash flow in excess of our accounting profits, that gives us the opportunity to invest in projects like the big infrastructure investments I mentioned, 
like the uh, acquisitions in health that we've made recently, like the investment in Digicel in the Pacific, uh, as well as still have capacity to return money to shareholders. Yeah. You've done all the hard work as chief executive, a massive amount of work. Um, are you going to stay around for the good times? Uh, look, I think I, I love what I do. And so, um, you know, I'm here to do the best I can for our shareholders and customers. The other thing I've got, I've got a great team around me. And trust me, it's not all me that has delivered the results. It, it's all about them. And so we've got great succession in, in the team as well. Uh, Gladys Berejiklian going to, to the opposition. Are you uh, shaking your boots? Oh, look, what I would say is, um, you know, Gladys is obviously a very experienced uh, leader and uh, I wish her the very best in that role. We've got a very, very significant enterprise and government uh, business. We just signed a major contract with Defence of a bit more than a billion dollars. We've just uh, signed up all of the uh, Department of Education's in every state across the country. Uh, they're a very big and important customer. I chair the government's cyber security strategy. We do a lot supporting the government on yep. national security policy, cybersecurity issues. So uh, I think we've got uh, a really good business and I'm sure we're going to continue to do well. And you played a very great straight back. Uh, I was pulling your leg and sort of being a bit half funny there, but a good diplomatic answer. Andy Penn, thanks for joining us. Congratulations on the result. Thank you very much, David. Really appreciate it. Andy Penn there, the uh, Chief Executive of Telstra. Uh, gee, for years, uh, Telstra has been sort of uh, much maligned in the market, saying, oh, it's pretending to be a tech business. It's not. It doesn't run like a tech business. Well, Adam Dawes from mm. Shaw. Yeah. Um, it is being run like a tech business he now. He just needs to wear a turtleneck. Yeah. Uh, and he'll, oh. be, he'll be a tech, tech I genius. I know the market's a bit disappointed. Yeah. It's down a bit. But yeah, I think they get a bit confused with the numbers. But this is... This is the last of the washout of the MBN, and now we have a streamlined Telstra going forward from here, which is a big cash generator. Absolutely, I was really happy to hear that they're bringing all their call centres back on shore, yep, yep. and that's from the Aussie broadband uh, success that these those guys have had with that onshore call centres, and they're yep. sort of now bowing to that pressure. Going to cost them a little bit more, yep. but I think that's fantastic for the service going forward as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what has been Shaw's take on the result? Look, our take was that the dividend was, was expected, so we were quite happy with that. Certainly the numbers did look a little bit lower, a little bit skinnier, but again, it's such a behemoth and yep. it's these one-offs that you just got to be careful with because every year there's always a one-off somewhere along the line. But as you said, that MBN's now starting to run off. This is going to be the last of that sort of cycle going through. It'll be interesting to see how they go with the dividends next year just to sort of push that forward. But look, Telstra is a good, stable, quality business in the portfolio. Yeah. So we're, yeah, we, we were happy with the result. Okay. Uh, what have you guys got it as at the moment? Uh, I think we've got a price target around 410, 415. Okay. So where the market is yeah. at the moment. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So basically a hold for, yeah, for hold. Telstra view. Yeah. And one of the big criticisms of Telstra in the past has been they've never delivered really on their cost cuts. Mm. And um, their forecast for that was huge cutting. numbers, and and they do now. Yeah. they're actually being consistent on yeah. it well, and delivering. Bringing what one thousand two hundred plans down to twenty yep. must be able to just cut a lot of costs straight away, and then the poor staff. Obviously, markets like uh, when you cut costs, right? Yep. 
but then you've got to still be able to run the business. And he yeah. said, well, we've been able to cut costs, but we've been able to grow our business yeah. as well. Yeah. So I think that's a tick in both directions. Using tech to do it. Uh, Chris Conway of uh, Marcus Today also joins us uh, on the call today. Um, Chris, what did you think of the Telstra result? Good afternoon, gents. Uh, Koshi, I uh, would just reiterate some of the things that, that you have just been talking about. Uh, there with Adam. The thing that stood out to me was the uh, second consecutive half of underlying profit growth uh, and Andy Penn and yourselves talking to the discipline required to make sure that became a reality and also delivering on what they said they would. Very, very important. And I would say just as a bottom line, finally, we can say about Telstra is that there's a clear line of sight for growth and improvement. And again, just leveraging what you were saying, we haven't been able to say that for quite some time. So I think the market will forgive the slight miss that Adam was talking to uh, and hopefully look past to what the future holds that it seemingly is getting brighter and brighter for Telstra. Okay, how do you see Telstra? It's dropped just below $4. Yeah, like Adam, this would be a hold for us. Uh, I would still like to see the actual improvement in those results moving forward. Uh, and it has had a strong run in the share price. It has been trending very strongly for quite some time. So uh, big round number around $4. It needs to consolidate here at the very least and hopefully bounce off that yeah. level, but, but a hold at best. Yeah, it is a massive company. You get reminded mm. of it with, with these results. If they can get it right, mm. it can be a huge cash generator. Yeah, I agree. All right, let's, um, that's Telstra. At this half hour of the call, we're going to be talking about Catapult, Atomo Diagnostics, SIMS, uh, Family Zone Cyber Safety and Net Wealth. A really interesting mix of stocks today. Um, let's kick it off, Chris. Uh, Jack wants a view with uh, um, about Catapult. Uh, just looking at the share price initially, it, it traded up to $4 in 2016, but really hasn't done much uh, in the last four or five years, really traded sideways. And I think there are a few reasons for that. You mentioned, Koshi, the AFL and the NFL, and of course the big sporting leagues around the world. I think that they did the African uh, Soccer Cup recently as well and had all of the teams involved in that. So clearly they're operating that high level I was reading uh, some of the information from the company and generally they charge about $100,000 to fit out a team with devices and whatnot. And Koshi, you would know better than most that uh, you know even at the AFL level, there's plenty of money at the top and then in the lower and the glass, uh, grassroots uh, uh, sports uh, clubs, uh, there's not, of course, as much money floating around and they simply can't afford uh, you know the prices needed to fit out an entire team uh, and then have the, the subscription, ongoing subscriptions as well. So... To me, this one is a, is a problem of growth. They're winning at that top level. Their analytics are great. They have the potential to sell that data to commentary, uh, you know, ESPNs of the world uh, talking about who's got the biggest hit in the NFL or the fastest step in the NBA or things like that. But again, it's all at that top level and I just struggle to see where the growth will come from a little bit further down because we know money drops off significantly uh, uh, post the uh, elite level. That's yeah. been uh, the issue for them. So I know from you, uh, they, they, they were targeting, um, they call it the sub-elite mm. uh, area. The next but, level down. Yeah, yeah, but how do you provide that at a reasonable price is the big issue that Chris was pointing to. Well, and he's absolutely right. You know, the, yeah. there's not that much money in that sub-level, even to the lower levels. There's, you know, yeah. everyone survives on, on a smell of an oily rag. But just some statistics around Catapult at the moment. 
They've got, uh, they're, they're the largest in, in the sector, but they've got around 3,250 teams, over 150 companies, over 40 sports, wow. right? So yeah. it's a massive business yeah. going forward. And it's hard, like a Telstra, when you're that big to then keep that growth profile going. So they're five times larger than their nearest competitor. So again, it looks, it looks okay. But really why I think that the stock price has moved or moved sideways is they've moved to a subscription model. Whereas before they get upfront payments yep. and they'd be able to move forward. Now this subscription model, they're gonna to have to take back a little bit of that revenue. Group revenue for the business was at 79% of these subscriptions in 2021. They're going to look to do that to 86% this right. year and then forecast for So they're turning into a SaaS model. Correct. So, but you've got to go through a period of adjustment for yeah, that. Exactly right, because you're not getting upfront revenue, yeah. you're going to get this on a 12 month basis yeah, or a subscription model. More consistent. Which is better in the long run for yes. the business, but it's got that short term pain. And I think the market's potentially looking through that short term pain a little bit. But for me, it would be a no also. I'm with Chris on this one. I, I, I think uh, it's going to take some time. Though so at $1.33, it doesn't look yeah. too bad uh, down here. But, but yeah, be careful. They were very smart when they floated because. They got a lot of high performance coaches yes. in buying the shares. So yes. of course there was a sense of ownership from the high performance yeah. coaches who actually buy uh, the stuff for the teams, for yeah. the clubs. So yeah, um, smart. Um, uh, Dorsey Hayden wants a view on Atomo Diagnostics, yeah. the uh, the rat testing sort of business, if you like, based in based in Sydney and certainly coming into its own. Gained 50% over the Christmas period. It was enormous, wasn't it? Well, why wouldn't it when they turned around and they said, well, you don't need to go to get your PCR tests anymore. And there was huge lines outside of that. We've got one across the road from us where I live. Then I looked over once they said that. It was empty and it's still empty today. So these these tests are good. I think they look... it's an interesting business. How much longer can these rat tests continue? We're seeing yep. Victoria starting to change their modelling about what they're going to do or how they're going to do this. But look, it certainly looks pretty good. Um, uh, uh, Atomo has uh, secured a supply of around about 10 million regular antigen testing kits. That's going to translate to around about 100 to $200 million worth of revenue over the next coming couple of months. I think that's fantastic. We're just a little bit concerned uh, about whether this is going to keep going yep. for now. For me, it's a hold. It's not a no, it's just a hold. I'd like to see how the, the, the policy of the policymakers works out. They've do, they do a little bit of HIV stuff. They do some other stuff as well. But the longer term of prize awaits them in the US right. and we've got to sort of see how that pans out. So for me, it's a hold. Yeah. Um, and Chris, when you take into account Nick Coatsworth, um, the former Deputy Chief Medical Officer um, who was in all the ads for, um, mm. for COVID, um, now saying, well, it's showing that COVID is probably not even as bad as a bad flu. So <laughs> you, you wonder whether our psychology is going to change, but we're not going to go for the tests anymore. Yeah, well, certainly the behaviour has changed, Kosh. You know, you know, there's some stats out there suggesting that, you know, of the 10 people that might have COVID, there's nine people walking out there around in the community with no symptoms and not knowing that they have it and obviously not getting tested in any case. So uh, I agree with Adam. That uh, that thrust that the company enjoyed is is trailing off uh, and, and probably going to trail off quite quickly. Uh, just considering some of their competitors, even here in Australia, there's a company called uh, Alume, Alume, I think it is, Alume, yeah. and they signed a $300 million deal with the Biden administration because they targeted the US and targeted getting into that market. 
Uh, at the same time, uh, Atomo was talking to the Australian government and it's been fairly widely and well reported that the Australian government wasn't particularly interested in uh, acquiring that many tests uh, and the interest was lukewarm. So just goes to show you that uh, a decision, uh, a simple decision about which market to focus on and obviously the outcomes that ensued uh, means that you know life is more difficult for Atomo and not so difficult for their competitor uh, winning that contract in the US. So uh, again, difficult for me, no yield, PE at 50, uh, burnt through about $10 million cash in 2020, $6 million last year, expected to make a profit this year, but then it's questionable moving forward. So uh, like Adam, probably not a no, but I, I need to see some more evidence before, uh, before jumping into this okay. one. A hold for you as well. Uh, that has been the frustrating thing with our, with our government. We've had these great rapid testing um, uh, companies mm. with facilities here. A loom that you mentioned, Chris, um, produce 100,000 a day from their factory in Brisbane. The whole lot of it goes to America because they basically did a deal before the Australian government did. And mm. now they're opening a factory in America, uh, which opens in three weeks' time. So, um, yeah, really slow, which I, I feel a bit sorry for our Australian companies mm. who have been left behind because our government didn't move quickly enough. Um, Chris Sims. Lucy wants a view on Sims. It's the big recycling business. You know, everyone's saying, oh, it's a rust belt business. This is an old fashioned business. But boy, oh boy, has it kicked some goals in the last 12 months. <laughs> Even ESG investors yeah. love it because it's recycling. It has hit a sweet spot. Yeah, right place, right time, Kosh. I remember talking yeah. to you about uh, BSL and uh, I had a friend of mine that works in the steel industry and saying there was no yep. scrap around anywhere. This was a Christmas. Uh, and that's why scrap prices have been so high and that's fed into what were record uh, results for Sims recently. Uh, first half profit anywhere between 5 and 8% above consensus expectations. And the expectations moving forward is that those uh, uh, ferrous and non-ferrous scrap prices are going to remain elevated. And like you say, they have that option on the decarbonisation as well. So right place, right time, conditions are good, continue, uh, conditions are expected to continue to be good uh, and not surprising to see quite a few brokers uh, up and down the street upgrading this one and upping their target prices. So uh, this would be a buy for us here at Marcus today. Okay. Um, Dorsey, the most yeah. recent, recent result, the trading margin increased 45%. Yeah, killed it. Now, if I could have a business that just in one year increased margin 45%, I'd be pretty happy. Absolutely. We better go in business together and find that one, hey? Because I'd want that as well. Look, certainly year on year, this one looks really, really good. And I'm going to go with Chris. Chris, we've agreed on every one of these ones, but we won't on this whole thing. But I think this one is a buy as well. I'm really comfortable with it. It's got the ESG side of things. They expect the second half of 2020 to be... Uh, expectedly better. They're basically looking for a 5% increase on their group volumes. But they also, as you say, expecting that increase of 45% in the ferrous scrap volumes to 90.6 million tonnes. And then uh, by 2025, doubling its US non-ferrous scrap prices as well. So all of that uh, sees growth. It looks like it's broken out from that chart. You can really start to see that sort yeah. of $18 mark where it sort of hit a couple of times then fell away. It's broken through that. The market seems to like it. I think we, we uh, sit this one. I don't know if it's in the portfolio, but it certainly is going to be okay, right. right now. Okay. So for us mere mortals, <coughs> when we look at yeah. that five-year chart, Libby, if we can bring it back up again, um, we'd, be, we'd be thinking to ourselves, oh, 
you know, it's at a five-year high. Um, yeah. You guys think a bit differently, yeah. don't you? Say, okay, see that 18 well, yeah, level along there, never gets there. through. Now it's broken above it. Yeah. You think, and and Chris would be the same, that it's now moving to a different phase. It's what we call right? blue sky. Right. Right. So it's 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 hit above that level, and it's and it's considerably now. It might consolidate back to that eighteen dollar level, or it sort of might hold that level for a bit, so and that's positive. Instead of it being a ceiling, yes. that will be the floor, floor. for it. Correct, and so it'll right. hit that for a little bit longer. Now, if it goes through that and goes lower, well, look, we got it wrong, but it should then hold that level sideways for a bit and then start to move higher because of the numbers and and, and the market likes earnings upgrades, and yeah. it's been a little bit tough in this reporting season to see those yeah. earnings upgrades. Yeah. So any company that does have a positive outlook is going to get bought yeah. up and looks pretty good to me. Good explanation on how to read those charts. It's really important. Um, all right, Ken wants a view now, Adam, on family zone cyber safety. This is the uh, uh, technology that builds uh, cyber safe ecosystems for families and for schools. Um, has hit 10 million students yeah. using this platform, taken it uh, to the US. Uh, what do you think of family zone type? So I'm going to stay with Shore and Partners on this one. We've got a buy on right. this stock and, and we cover this one. I really like this. In fact, I use this one in my own family home. Right. We had some issues with the kids clicking on links that look like Mathletics links, right. but they weren't. And um, yeah, they, so we've, we've, we've really cleaned up our own home and made sure that we know what the kids That's are looking at uh, and how, and, and it gives us the ability to time when they can play games it seems a bit big brotherish, but it means that we can time the games, we can time when they need to do homework and all of that kind of stuff. So it, okay. it's actually a really, really good system that's embedded. We really like Family Zone because they did go to the US and they have gone for students. The students now, ARPU, which is the average revenue per user, is at $5.50. They've raised that by 10% last year. So another 50 cents on top of that. So yeah. that's giving you that. But then also the, the households in the US, the average revenue per user is around $11.70 US. Right. So again, you're getting that regular SaaS income stream coming in, right. and that's just underpinning the, uh, the business. So I've got a buy, we've got a price target uh, of over a dollar on this one, and I'll stay with that one. It's a, it's a fantastic business. Wow, okay, over a bucket, it's trading at 46 cents. Yeah. Um, and Chris, sort of, it is this two levels. It's, it's the family subscriber, isn't it? Like, like Adam's family with a few kids, but also because schools uh, are teaching more online, um, uh, the school network is becoming more powerful and more used. Uh, that's, that's the other side of it, isn't it? The next level up. Yeah, it certainly is, Koshi. And I think would, I would think that's where most of the juice is. So they've got 20,000 schools across Australia, New Zealand, the US and the UK, around about a 38% market share in the UK and 10% in the US. So they still have significant scope and significant opportunity. Uh, just pivoting back a little bit, being the father of a seven-year-old and a two-year-old, uh, obviously having children like Adam, uh, this is a company that is of particular interest to me. And probably like Adam, I will end up employing it in the home once uh, yeah. the boys get online a little bit more. <laughs> Doing fantastic work, making sure that they uh, protect uh, you know, our most valuable asset, of course, our, our children. Uh, and and you know some of the stats are quite confronting in terms of bullying rates yeah. doubling in Australia in the last 10 years. So. Uh, incredibly powerful work. Uh, putting that to one side, the only issue that I have is um, obviously the share price has been moving in the wrong direction. And the question that I would ask myself is, is the company growing fast enough? I mean, the numbers are great and their recurring revenue is fantastic, growing at 40% per annum. So 
for me, that says the company is growing really well. But of course, it's all about the market's expectations. Uh, and the other thing from the last quarterly update was that costs were accelerating, I believe, a little bit more quickly than the company wanted. So I believe in the premise with this one. Uh, I certainly think it's an important technology, an important service. I would just like to see the share price start rallying and some more evidence that, uh, that it's delivering what the market wants. Not delivering what the community needs, but what the market wants, of course. So what would you, uh, a hold or a no? So it would be, a, yeah, no, it would be a hold for me at the moment. Right, yeah. okay, all right. Um, now, Andrea wants a view on NetWealth, the, uh, the big financial platform who's, uh, uh, which has been a real star of the market for the last two or three years. You talk about costs, Chris. Um, they had a big increase in costs as they brought, by the sound of it, brought their IT uh, team in-house, which is quite a big one. Um, results disappointed the market recently, share price drop. What do you think of net worth? Yeah, again, it's a company that I quite like. We hold it in our long-term uh, portfolio here at Marksdale Growth Portfolio. It was down 15% yesterday, which is obviously not a nice outcome. Uh, and as you say, costs were the killer. And this is a trend that we've seen frequently from the from the platforms, uh, you know, beating on expectations in terms of attracting revenue and beating on flows, but ultimately disappointing on the cost line and, and um, some margin crunch as well, because it is a race at the moment. It's a race for, it's a land grab. So Hub, NetWealth, all these platforms are trying to acquire customers and they're uh, cutting their nose to spite their face uh, by, you know, slashing, uh, slashing margins and, and driving uh, up costs. So. Uh, I think, unfortunately, that is a reality that is going to continue for the foreseeable future. Uh, there will come a time where the land grab pays off and ultimately there will be a few winners or you know, one or two maybe, uh, and then they'll be able to expand their margins again and it'll all be rosy. But this period now where they're all fighting amongst themselves reminds me of not so long ago in the telco space when it was a race to the bottom and margin progression we saw significantly there as well. So. It is a hold for us. I think the the uh, funds under management growth is strong enough for us to stay there, but we wouldn't want to see a repeat of these things for too much uh, too much further into the future. Yeah, um, mm. Adam, it it has been a tussle, hasn't it? Yeah. And they've all risen together yeah. over sort of two years, and now they're all. Uh, dropping together. Yeah, well, uh, NetWealth and, and even uh, Premium, which NetWealth is looking to take over, is what yeah. Chris was talking about, that land grab. They've made a deal uh, to, to try and take the Premium over. But if you look at Premium share price as well, that thing's fallen out of bed as yeah. well. And that's even got a takeover offer on right. it. So I think hub, the hub, yeah. yeah. So what, what, what's happened, obviously, you know, back in the day, this used to be the space for banks. This yep. was this was traditionally where the banks laid, and 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 very much so the banks had all of the market share. We then had these technology little startups called NetWealth and Hub that came onto the market, and then basically started to try to take that market share. Now net inflows for the year was fairly strong, three point six billion dollars. Now I reckon Magellan would love that inflow yep. uh, going forward. <laughs> anyway, that's a little stab. Uh, so yeah, uh, look, net inflows were good. Um, look, I think overall um, there's strong flow in the momentum going forward. Um, potential of flattening of the yield curve, which is probably going to provide a little bit of support for net wealth. But really, it's, it's all about growth by acquisition now. I think that they've really had much of that organic growth already done and it's already there. I think, you know, potentially it's going to be harder for them to grow uh, going forward unless they grow by acquisition. And that's exactly where they are. 
So um, I'm going to go out on a little bit of a limb and say, I'm going to say it's a buy. We've got to buy, a on, buy. A, yeah, we've got to buy on Hub as well as we've got to buy on Net Wealth at Shores. I think I'm really comfortable with it. Looking at that chart, it actually looks pretty good. It's sort of $13.40. It's got a bit of a level there. Uh, hopefully it stays there. But net inflows, hopefully they can get premium across the line, which will lift their funds under management. Okay. So I think it's going to be a little bit of a choppy okay. year, but I think it's a good one. Uh, you did bring up Magellan. You brought I, it up. I, I did bring it up. Back, up, back on the 28th <laughs> of January, uh, here on the call, just checking my little book here. Oh, no. Um, my little black book. Yep. Uh, you're on with Jumbe. Yep. Uh, she said no, and I said yes. said yes. yes. Yeah, and, and are you sticking with that? Well, look, I am. I am. You are sticking with a buy on I Magellan. Am. I think Magellan was probably closer to $20 or a bit more when I said that. It's yes. now $18. Yep, yep. There's still some more outflows to come. There's still more. But this is the time when you buy stocks when nobody else wants them. Yeah, right. when nobody okay. else, everyone else right. is bagging them out in the market on the street. This is the time to put some money in. Close your eyes. Six months later, you should be a lot better. So I'm, I'm sticking with it. Uh, Chris, do you want to uh, wade into <laughs> this as well with Magellan, seeing he brought it yeah. up? No, I will. Uh, so I <laughs> Be think nice, at Chris. the moment, uh, Magellan has about $90 billion of funds under management. The last time the share price was $18, they had something like 25 or 30. So they've tripled their funds under management compared to when the share price was last $18. So uh, I tend to agree with Dorsey that there's an opportunity oh. there, but you need to be bold. You need to be bold and you need okay. to be willing to take on the risk. All right. Nice. I, I, nice. I've got so many cuts on my my hands uh, by Magellan on the way down for my little super fund. So, well, listen, I've, I've, I've been tested. If anybody wants that black book, I'm going to be selling it because you can't read a damn thing on it. But I'm going to sell it if anybody wants it because there's a lot of information been, in there. Been catching this falling knife for about three months at the moment. So stick with it. Stick with it. Yeah, put the better dean on it. All right, let's uh, recap the uh, the first five stocks plus our stock of the day. Uh, Telstra is a hold from both Adam and Chris. Catapult and no. Uh, Atomo, a, uh, a, a hold from both. Sims Metal, a buy from both Chris and Adam. Family Zone, a hold from Chris, a buy from Adam uh, and Shores. And Net Wealth, a hold from Chris and, uh, and a buy from Shores as well. Uh, here at the call, we've been following our own fantasy portfolio since the 1st of uh, July 2020. For the week, we're down 1.5% for the month by 5%. Uh, got to clear out that, that January performance. Um, for the financial year, up just over 3% since inception. Uh, it's up 39%. Uh, from the 1st of March, we're sort of changing the calls fantasy portfolio a bit. We're turning it into a live conviction fund that will go be monitored by an investment committee. Um, when, uh, for example, with, uh, with Sims Metal, um, because it's a unanimous buy, it's not in the portfolio at the moment, and it will go to the investment committee uh, for their judgment on whether it fits into the portfolio of 20 or 30 stocks that we're going to limit it to. So um, what this is all part of um, explaining to people how to build a proper portfolio, the strategy, some of the discussion around individual stocks. So all the recommendations from the call We'll go once a month to the investment committee. We'll do an extra edition of the call where we'll take you inside that investment committee meeting and you can see how they discuss 
each of the stocks coming in or out. And if they have a, uh, a problem with, uh, with the stock coming in that's been recommended by the expert panel, uh, and they want to talk to the, the stock's chief executive, we'll bring them into the meeting as well. So I think it's going to be a lot of fun. So uh, the call day to day will stay the same, but the call's portfolio will take on that extra nuance. At CMC, we've been in the game for a while, and although a lot of things have changed, our mentality hasn't. We aim to give experienced traders the best trading experience, like our expert platform with its second-to-none trading tools, plus our pricing is completely transparent. That's why people who've been trading for a long time stay with us for a long time. So if you're serious about trading, switch to the market leader trusted for over 30 years. Trade CFDs your way at cmcmarkets.com. You don't own underlying assets. Consider relevant PDS and TMD or information memorandum for CMC Pro accounts at our website. Our next five stocks will include Supply Network, we're going to take a look at Fiducian, Evolution Mining, Quick Fee and Lifestyle Communities. All right, uh, Adam, Jim wants a view on Supply Network, which is uh, a provider of aftermarket parts for the commercial vehicle industry in Australia and New Zealand basically spare parts business? Spare parts, I guess you'd be doing well with the second-hand yep. car market moving and nobody would be able to get new cars yep. uh, into Australia. So it should be doing well. The directors then said that they gave uh, a consolidated sales revenue of $96 million for the half year for December 2021. So I think that was quite good. And they expect that net profit or profit after tax to be around about $9.5 million. Um, their full year results are going to come out in late Feb, so we, we'll, we'll get uh, to see that a little bit more. Dividend is pretty solid as well. Look, all of that does sound pretty good, but uh, I, I, for me, it would be a hold if you have it. Um, I don't need to put any new money into it. I think um, there's probably better places to put your money and okay. yeah, better stocks, but um, yeah. numbers look okay. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. You, you only invest in a certain number of stocks, don't you? Oh, yeah, 100%. And, and while, while it's a good solid performer, will it make your top 20? No. No, correct. Uh, Chris? Would reiterate most of what Adam just said. The numbers do look pretty good. This is, to, to me, for uh, lack of a better description, essentially the ARB of trucks. Uh, so uh, just comparing it to ARB, uh, it's on a P of around 24 times. ARB is about 20. Eight. Adam mentioned the yield, you get a gross yield of 3.6% to sit in it. Uh, return on equity is exceptional, around 30%. Uh, so all the numbers really good. It's only small, it's only got a market cap of around $450 million. And you would, uh, you would question the capacity for growth because there's only so many trucks in Australia and only so many trucks uh, that need servicing in that market. Uh, I would humbly submit is quite a bit smaller than the uh, passenger car market. Uh, the other things worth noting is the share price has been on an absolute tear uh, and it is quite thinly traded as well. So uh, certainly not one that we could invest in here at Marcus Day just because of the size of it and the liquidity of it. Uh, but certainly for some retail investors, it would probably be suitable. Uh, but like I said, I would agree with Adam that it's probably no more than a hole just because uh, the share prices run so hard. Okay, all right. Um, we've gone from net wealth. Um, Chris Gavel wants a view on Fiducian Group now, the financial services group. Uh, sort of, uh, they offer trustee services for superannuation forms, bit of a platform them, themselves as well. Yeah, funds management, financial planning, platform administration, yep. all, all those uh, three costs you're spot on. Uh, it's got a fairly undemanding PE of 14 times and again, a solid yield of 4.6%. Uh, 
They've managed to grow platform revenue, profit before tax, and average funds under management every year uh, for the last five years. Quite strong, quite consistent growth. Again, it might not be one that makes your top 20, but across all the metri- metrics, it looks quite solid. And from all reports, uh, up and down the street, quite a well-run business. So uh, again, a hold, uh, but for anyone who was particularly interested in it, you, you could easily find your way to adding it to a portfolio. Okay, Adam? Yeah, for some income style clients, I think this is quite a good one uh, going forward because as Chris said, that, that, that revenue as well as that dividend is fairly, fairly solid. One of the things that I would be concerned about with this business though, is that it has around 66 financial planners in their books, around 40 different offices around Australia. But the whole advice industry is going through a huge change at the moment. And I think that's something that you've got to be careful of when you're investing in a financial planning funds management platform business, that a lot of their funds management business is, is going to be fed by the financial planners. It's like the old AMP model, yeah? You yep. used to have the AMP, yep. AMP funds <laughs> and they'd just be circling it around. So just be a little bit careful because the, the industry is going through a massive change and a massive shakeup. And the average age for a financial planner slash stockbroker is around sort of 55 to 62. So in other words, in the next three years when everybody has to be degree qualified to give advice to retail clients coming into 2026, uh, there is going to be a lot of people that won't want to get their degrees and they're just going to basically leave. So there's a really big hole in this financial planning side of things and how the industry is going to work. Albeit it's a couple of years away, I'm just a little bit cautious. I'm going to stay with Chris on this one. It's a hold. For income style clients, I think you'd be okay for the next coming couple of years, but that shakeup is really going to disrupt the industry and it's going to take some time for it to work itself out. So if you're a good young financial person. Like me. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Financial planning is a place to get into. Absolutely. You've got three years to get your degree and get in there. And there's a lot of older people that just haven't had a degree because they didn't need to get a degree to get into it, but they've had 20, 30 years experience. So does a degree actually matter? But actually with it now, the the government has said through the, um, all of the changes that are happening through phase year and all this Mm. kind of stuff, you must be degree qualified. There's going to be a like it started at 28,000 financial planners, stockbrokers, now we're at 20,000. They expect that number to be 13,000 by the end of 2025, wow. 2026. Okay. So there's going to be a mass exodus. And for all the people that are left standing, it's going to be uh, very, very good for them. Yeah, absolutely. Because financial advice isn't going to go away. It's no. going to become more important. And it's going to become more expensive as well. Yeah. So that's okay. a bit of a key. Um, all right, Nick wants a view, Adam, on Evolution Mining, the big gold mining company yeah. uh, in Canada, here in Australia, WA, Queensland and uh, New South Wales, disappointed in its recent um, earnings report, world down, like a lot of the gold stocks at the moment. It's, what is it, something like yeah. 30% below its 52-week high? So generally, we always say that Newcrest, Evolution and Northern Star are our top three picks. Yep. And I'm going to yeah. still stay with that. I think, I think Evolution is a buy. But what's happening in the background of all of this is really, really tough. One, you haven't seen the gold price start to move. Now, generally, you would see gold being a hedge against inflation. Now, yeah. if, you have, if, you haven't been, if you've been living under a rock for the last um, three months, you wouldn't have heard that word inflation, but everyone's talking about inflation. So inflation is coming, interest rates are rising. And so basically gold should be a standard or a safety net for people to go to. Yep. Gold is a $10 trillion market, but I think Bitcoin and all these other things have taken a lot of that flow away. 
from the gold sector. So potentially the gold sector is, is starting to look pretty good. Now at gold sitting at around $1,800 an ounce, somebody will correct me yep. on that one, but I think it's around it's there. Around uh, Aussie, um, it, it, it's still okay now, it's not near the no, two. No, US. Oh, sorry, US. 1,800 US, so, so Aussie, it's still over 2,000. 2,000, yeah. Seven month high, I was reading the other day. So I knew someone was yeah, gonna yeah, no, uh, no. do that. So um, look, all in, all in sustaining costs, which is the key for any one of these gold companies, is how much does it cost to get it out of the ground and yep. to sell it, right? So all in sustaining costs for evolution is around $1,135. So it's actually not too bad. They're still gonna make some decent amount of money going forward. So. I think Newcrest, oh, sorry, Evolution is a buy. It's one of my top picks in that gold space. I'm okay. comfortable with it. I'm going to stay with the buy. Uh, Chris, what do you think of Evolution and, and also the gold sector uh, on the market um, as a whole? Yeah, so I'll start with the company, guys. Uh, they Their results and their revenue are down. Uh, this was just, I think, yesterday or the day before. Uh, revenue down, costs up 17%. That's what Adam was talking to. Uh, and the prices that they achieved were down. So obviously there's some compression going on there. Uh, they did have some resource upgrades, which was nice. Uh, but then pivoting to the gold sector more broadly, I agree with Adam. Until recently, there was this expectation and a, and a correct expectation that buying a growth stock or buying a growth asset would far outperform and outstrip inflation. Uh, so the question was, of course, well, why would you buy gold? It's defensive. It's an inflation hedge like Adam was talking about. Why would you buy that for next to no return when you can buy uh, growth stock that had been until recently shooting the lights out? That story, of course, as Adam was talking to, is beginning to change. And I think it will change more dramatically. It's already changed quite dramatically. But it will change even more dramatically in March when the Fed does actually lift off. So potentially gold is coming up to, forgive me for using this word, a Goldilocks period. Uh, where we'll see uh, increased demand and of course that rising tide should lift all boats. So uh, like Adam, uh, Evolution, Northern Star, uh, I probably like best and then Newcrest would be third on the list. Okay, so a buy at these levels? A buy indeed, yes. Yeah, interesting. Um, all right, Summit Chris wants a view on quick fee. Uh, Summit says, I, I bought the stock at 24 cents last year. And since then, it's been languishing. Their business model seems to be similar to buy now, pay later, but their target market is very specialised professional and independent services firms. For example, they've signed a 10-year agreement with Jim's franchise, so their franchisee customers can get the benefit from this service. Uh, active merchants and active cu customers are up both here in Australia and also the US. Um, do you see any improvement in the share price? Unfortunately, no, Koshi. Uh, I think one of the very important elements you touched on was that it services a niche market, so accountants, lawyers, uh, and some wealth management firms. And like I said, that is very niche, and there are a limited number of, uh, of uh, merchants in that space or, or people in that space willing to take up this payment provider. Uh, they are trying as well to grow their buy now, pay later offering. Uh, they're probably a little bit late to the party, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. they're, they're, they are growing in the US, but they are a minnow. Their transaction volumes pale in comparison to some of the big guys. And we already know about the consolidation going on in that space at the very, very top end. And these guys in terms of scale are all the way down the bottom. So it's all ahead of them. It looks incredibly difficult. They probably have a nice little business in terms of servicing that niche market, but I don't think it's going to provide exceptional growth. 
the other thing being that uh, you know they, they've lost money the last couple of times out. Or, uh, you know they've they've generated some revenue, uh, but their their profit after tax and everything else has uh, has seen it be a loss making business. So uh, I can't see a way forward for this one, unfortunately. Adam. Yeah, it's a sell from me as well. Uh, even yesterday, when the, when the result came out, the stock was absolutely belted. I think it was down to fifteen cents and potentially even lower today. Yeah, thirteen oh, cents. Oh. There you go. Um, so look, that shows. In the, you talked about uh, death by a thousand cuts there, David. That is a stock that looks like that as well. You know, it just continues to keep sort of just dripping down and and it doesn't really sort of see any light or can't really start to start to get some momentum. Okay. Look, some of the reasons why they're, they're saying they're getting some strong growth in the buy now, pay later business, but really they've only signed up 946 merchants in the US, which, you know, Afterpay and Zip are doing a day kind of yep. thing. And they did that since June last year. So, you know, that's six months and they've signed 295 up in Australia. So they're really not getting the traction or the market grab that the, the, the rest of the buy now, pay later sector has done. Um, for me, it's a sell. I mean, I, I, I think, you know, buy a zero um, would probably yeah. be a better business to, to sort of sink your teeth into. Chart looks a lot better as well. But yeah, for me, there's uh, there's not much going <laughs> slightly on. Different yeah, slightly different share price. Slightly, slightly. 15 cents to 115. 115, yeah, but yeah, yeah. anyway. Um, but gee, it's all about momentum and uh, it's all about uh, confidence giving the market confidence, isn't it? Yeah. And it takes a lot to turn it around when you're on the side like that. Well, we saw Lark Distilleries yesterday. Yeah. yeah, that's going to take a long time for it to get its confidence back to the market. That's this classic example of something that's just happened yesterday, yeah. Really? Sort of, it's so much about the individual? Uh, yeah, well, the fundamentals of the company haven't changed. The individual's got. He was the MCEO, yeah, so yeah, yeah, uh, and starts at the top yeah. and founder, yeah, yeah. and he's got eighteen million bucks worth or five percent of the stock, which he's probably going to have to uh, right. move on sometime or later. But any kind of confidence zapping, it just takes time for yeah. it to. I mean, look at Zip. Uh, again, a great business, but the confidence is not there, and yeah. so it's just going to take time for that to turn around. So. Okay. Yeah, it's just a little bit more difficult. Have you changed your view on Lark, Chris? Because was Lark, um, Henry telling us not so long ago, Lark was in one of your portfolios too? Yeah, I think Henry's covered it in the small cap uh, section yeah. of the newsletter. Uh, I haven't followed the story as closely as Henry, but I, I would agree with Adam that the optics of things, you know, a, no, a, a strong CEO leaving a good company can see a share price fall 10%. Uh, a CEO leaving under the conditions that the Lark CEO is leaving, uh, you know, it just suggests that if he's doing that, what's going on with the rest of the company, which might be completely unfair, yeah. but that is the optics mm -hmm. of it. And yeah. again, Koshi, you would know this well at, at an AFL level, that, you know, the team can be doing all the right things, but if they're not winning and the coach isn't performing, well, unfortunately, the coach eats it and the, and the club struggles for a while. So... Uh, yeah, it's 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 not a good look, and I agree with yeah. Adam. It's going to take a long time to rebuild that confidence. Yeah, th thanks, Chris. Um, <laughs> and from an AFL point of view, we are not in that position. <laughs> Just well, make it clear. <laughs> but Chris wasn't saying Port Adelaide is in a similar no, position. I just know in professional sport. Is that I was right, talking about other teams, Scotty, of course. Right, okay. Thank you. Just wanted to clear that up. Uh, Chris, uh, our last stock, Cathy wants a view on lifestyle communities. They build, own and operate um, basically over 50s uh, communities, retirement villages. 
Um, what do you think of lifestyle communities? Uh, the more I looked at this one, Koshi, the more I liked it. Mm. Uh, let's face it, we have an aging population here in Australia and quite a wealthy population. Uh, so they have the capacity to pay for, for these sorts of developments or be involved in these sorts of developments. Uh, they are a, 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 an affordable alternative in any case. Uh, they have very strong growth. They're looking to acquire two to three new sites per year. Uh, they're doing somewhere between 1,100 and 1,300 settlements, uh, and that's expected every year for the next three years. They've got a growing annuity stream, so that's on their resale settlements, uh, and that's expected to grow again over the next three years. Very well funded, 100 million cash uh, and un in undrawn facilities to fund further projects, uh, and their operating cash flow is really, really strong as well. So. Across all the metrics, I like it. I like the space that they're operating in. The share price and the chart look quite good as well. So it ticks all the boxes for me. Mm. Uh, and this one would be a buy. Okay, Adam? Yeah, I, I agree with Chris. Um, and I, he, he summed it up so well, I probably don't need to say any more. I just, you know, to his first point, there is a tsunami of retirees that is gonna to continue to come down the line and they're all gonna need some good accommodation um, LIC def definitely works in the Melbourne area or in that sort of Victorian area. So it'd be good to see them to potentially branch out to some of the other sort of states. Yeah. But they know that market really well and why, why move when, you, when you're doing something right. So yeah, every time I look at this business, I miss it on the first uptake. It's come back a bit. I think it actually looks pretty good okay. here. So yeah, it'd be a buy from me as well. All right. Let's uh, just recap the, uh, the final five stocks. Uh, supply network, a hold from both uh, Chris and Adam. Same with Fiducian. Uh, a buy from both on Evolution Mining. Quick fee, a no or, or sell. Um, Nadine has the chief executive of Quick fee on the small cap segment tomorrow. So this time tomorrow. So she'll put those concerns to, to the chief executive and lifestyle communities a buy. So Sims, Evolution and lifestyle communities would go to our investment committee uh, as a result of today's show under the new look uh, calls fantasy portfolio. So uh, that gives you an idea of how it's going to work. Chris Conway from Marcus today. Great to see you. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, guys. Appreciate uh, it. Who is your football team, by the way? Uh, I've told you before, Koshi, my dad was the doctor for Collingwood, so I had no choice. I was oh, born with right. a black and white scar. Right. So oh. I apologise in advance. Yeah, no, that's all right. I'd, I'd give you a big hug if you are in the studio. Um, <laughs> you need it a few times. All right, mate, thank you. And, uh, and Dorsey is a swans man. Absolutely, through and okay. through. through uh, and from Shores, good to see you, mate. Thank you. Uh, if you want to see uh, any of your stocks uh, put before our panel for analysis, uh, send me an email, the call at osbiz.com.au or tweet us using the at TV handle. All the stocks in the calls portfolio, uh, you can find them at osbiz.co forward slash portfolio. Summer's just around the corner, so give your body the care it deserves with Osea's best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil. Created by infusing Andaria seaweed in barrels of botanical oils, it leaves skin silky soft and glowing. Plus, it's clinically proven to improve elasticity and deeply moisturize without feeling greasy. It's safe, clean, vegan skincare. Get 10% off your first order at oseamalibu.com with code GLOW, plus free shipping on orders over $60.